0: Fantastic. So I wonder how many people have bought Bibles during the course of the week? Gone Ah, oh, not, not brought one with them, but bought a new... Whatever. If you weren't here last week, one of my constant kind of things is I'm saying, bring a Bible and get to know your Bible and where stuff sits in your Bible. Um, Gemmel was reading his Bible to me this week, and I can't help but think that if Gemmel was relying on a smartphone to read his Bible there wouldn 't be much Bible reading done in his flat, so uh, but you know so i'm just kidding if you would open your Bibles at Genesis chapter one and we 're going to read from there in a moment 's time, but just to kind of bring you up to speed on what's been happening last week, if you weren't here, we were thinking about motivation in life and i was I was saying about how during the time uh, when I was off sick, I, I spent a lot of time on r- or or at least some time trying to reflect on what God had been saying to me and one of the things I was saying was like please don't let it sound like I was kind of going through this kind of incredible spiritual experience one of those times where you're like oh praise Jesus that I'm ill because it's drawing me closer to him it was nothing like that there were times where as I said you know I I couldn't pray I couldn't open my bible I looked at it so little that I managed to leave it in in an Italian hotel um, and so So it was just kind of like my travel Bible, but uh, I'm using this Bible at the moment. We got given it 10 years ago on Friday because it was the uh, Bible that we got given on our wedding day. So it's actually really nice to be using that. At the moment, anyway, the thing that I said that I felt God was speaking to me, and then I very quickly realised that actually this is something not just for me, not just for Southside, but for all of us as followers of Jesus Christ, is that our main motivation in life, the reason why we do things in life, should be because we love God, and then we love people. It's exactly what Jesus said when that Pharisee, the the expert in the law, that expert expert Pharisee, came to him and said, "Which are the most important commandments?" And Jesus said. Love God and love people, and I said that no matter how you might measure success in your life, no matter how you 've been tempted at different times in your life um, to measure success, that the only measure that we really need to worry about is this: love God and love people. I said that you know if I happen to be uh, pastor at Southside for the next 30 years that I could reach the end of my time and say I've been successful not if like, we have our own building not if 5 million people come to Southside not if, uh, not if uh, we feed a thousand people a day and all of those sorts of things they are great things to do and perhaps, or some of them are and perhaps some of them might be a measure of how we're moving uh, in the spirit but that what God wants from us is our love and our love for people. And this week I'm going to start off a series. And it kind of flows out of a little bit. That, that book that I've just put there to uh, block the light, so to speak, is where this series started. Again, sat in a small Italian cafe drinking hot chocolate. Um, as somebody said to me to write down some things about myself. And I started to write down some things about myself that I thought... And then I thought, I need to write down some of the things that God says of me. And if you've never done that, can I encourage you to do that? Go away and write down some of the things that God says about you. If you need some help with that, if you need some help finding verses, then just speak to me and I'll send you a whole load of stuff. But this morning I want to start a series and this series is called I Am. And I wonder when I say those words, when somebody in church or, or, or a Christian says the words, I am to you, what you think of the words, I am. I wonder if as soon as you hear the words, I am coming from a, a, a speaker in a church context or in a Christian context, I wonder if your mind flicks back to Moses and God revealing himself to Moses and saying, I am who I am. Tell them that I am has sent me. That might be where your mind goes. Your mind might go to Jesus, who says, "And I think it's John chapter seven, somewhere about about, about there." He says, "I am who I am." In other words, Jesus picks up on the divine revelation, and 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 uh, sorry, Jesus says, um, "Before Abraham was, I am." Picking up on what. God had said to Moses. So this is like this really inflammatory statement of Jesus linking himself with something that had happened thousands of years ago. Every Jew would know about I am. And when Jesus says... Before Abraham was, I am. It's like Jesus is saying, I'm the same one who revealed himself to Abraham, to Moses, sorry, and to Abraham. Or perhaps you think of the I am sayings of Jesus I am the good shepherd, I am the gate, I am the light of the world, I am the bread of life, I am the resurrection and the life, I am the way, the truth, and the life, I am the true vine. Or perhaps. When somebody says I am in a church context, you think of what I consider to be more or less the scariest of the I am's, but this is an I am that starts off with you are, and it's where Jesus says to his followers, and therefore to us, you are the light of the world. In other words, I am the light of the world, and every single one of you who is seeking to follow Jesus can also say, I am. I'm the light of the world and quite frankly I find that petrifying because I know myself and because I know some of you and if we are the light that the world is hoping for then we need to pray a lot more. And we have prayer meetings on a Tuesday night. And we're going to have one again on a Friday morning. And we can pray and connect groups. But but do you know what I'm saying? There are all of these I am statements in scripture. But none of them are the I am statements that we are going to be looking at over the course of this series. We are going to look at some of the I am's that God says about us. Some of the things that the Bible teaches us. There might not literally be an I am saying. It might be you are. Or it might be something that we learn from this horrible kind of word that probably scares a lot of us. Theology. Okay, But let's just think it's about Jesus, it's about God, it's trying to get to know him better. That is the purpose of theology, it cannot be abstract. So we're going to work through some of these things that God says of us, and which means that we can say, I am dot dot dot. And this morning, the thing that we are going to think about is this, and it has literally life-changing... And how we view the world-changing ramifications if the Church of Jesus Christ would take this on. And not only if the Church would take this on, but if people would hear it. Perhaps you're not a Christian here this morning. Perhaps you've come along and you don't know anything about church. You've not been to church for ages. Perhaps, you know, I'm desperate to ask Samantha and Michael, did that singing freak you out a bit? Did you know any of the words that, you know, we love singing, but like, what did you guys make of it? Or if this is your first time in church, could you follow it? Did you know what was going on? But the thing that we are going to think about about is this this morning is this it is a fundamental truth that every single one of us i am created in the image of god not just i am created i am created in the image of god if you turn to genesis chapter 1 it's the bit that comes after all of the notes at the start of your bible and this is what it says god has done a lot of making and then it says this in verse 26 then God blessed them and said to them be fruitful and increase in number fill the earth and subdue it rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air and over every living creature that moves on the ground then God said I give you every seed-bearing plant on the face of the whole earth and every tree that has fruit with seed in it they will be yours for food and to all the beasts of the earth and to all the and sorry and to all the beasts of the earth and all the birds of the air and all the creatures that move on the ground everything that has the breath of life in it. I give every green plant for food. And it was so. God saw, that, God saw all that he had made and it was very good. And there was evening and there was morning. The sixth day. Um, I have a question to kick us off. And this is a question you're going to have to talk about. Okay? Okay? Uh, You're going to have 30 seconds to think about it on your own. You're going to have a minute to talk about it with the people around you. And then you're all going to shout out in an unruly manner. Can I I just say, I know that the answer to the question is Jesus. You know that the answer to the question is Jesus. You know it before I ask the question. Because it must be Jesus because we're in church, right? But I want you to be honest as you answer this question. And the question is simply this. What defines you? Who or what defines you? Think about it. In 30 seconds I'll tell you that 30 seconds is up and you can talk to the people around you. Some of you already started talking, so you might as well just start talking straight away. Just talk to people around you. What, who or what defines you? You've got one minute to talk about that, and then we're going to shout some answers out. Okay, I'm going to ask you to shout out in a moment. I'm going uh, in an orderly fashion. Shout out if that is possible. What I have just realised—I kind of realised it during the week—but if you don't want to listen to me for the next hour, then so, then then you can, of course, just shout out Jesus, and I have to throw all of my notes away because that just made the whole talk absolutely irrelevant. Because you guys would have got it, and I just need to go and have a look at myself. But if. You cannot honestly say that Jesus is the one who defines every area of your life, that Jesus is the one who you kind of get your sense of self-worth from. Could you shout out some of the things? Come on, you were talking to each other, talk back to me. What are some of the things that define you? Family, we're hearing family down here. Job, character, faith, love, relationships kids culture so there's lots of things that define us fantastic i'm glad that you said all of those things you unholy lot i cannot believe that none of you said jesus i mean like when i put that down the first thing on my list at the top of my page written across my page was jesus but i'll pray for all of you guys um this morning, as I said, we're thinking about the fact that we are made, every single one of us, whether you are a follower of Christ or not, this is a foundational truth about every single one of us. You are made in the image of God. And as we look around our society at this time, I believe that this is such an important thing for us to remember. We are defined by so many things. We are so often defined by our differences. I voted Tory. I voted Labour. I, vote, I, I didn't. Sandra, did you see I was up just then when I said that? Uh, I, I'm not telling you who, I, but, but, but you know, it's which political party you support, or in Scotland it's which uh, team you support, or it might be the colour of your skin, it might be the accent with which you speak, it might be which part of town you live in or grew up in, it might be where you go to school. Excuse me. it might be how big your car is how big your house we are all defined by so many different things and so many of these things polarise us they say well that person isn't like me they would never understand me Michael has tattoos all over it. I've just got a terrible England tattoo Michael's got tattoos all over so I might look at Michael and I might think me and Michael have nothing in common but in fact I have a friend and a growing friendship because we just even bother to have a little bit of a conversation with each other and, but so often and we might look at people or where they live or what, or what language they speak. And we live in this society and we live in this world where there are people who are wanting to drive more and more wedges. The things that are happening in our world are doing this. Terrorist attacks are driving wedges between us. But I want to say something this morning. Those guys who went out onto London Bridge last week are made. were made in the image of God. Get your head around that. That guy who blew himself up in Manchester Arena was made in the image of God. Every Muslim, every Jew, every Buddhist, every straight, every gay, every man, everywhere, it doesn't matter, every single person that you ever come into contact with Okay, and if you can wrap your heads around this and embrace this, and the ultimate person who did embrace this was, of course, Jesus. Every single person is created in the image of God and because of that there's uh, let me see There's six things and we're just going to work through it quickly there is so much there are books and books and books written on this as I was kind of actually starting to put ideas down on paper uh, during the course of the week I was like do you know what we could actually have a whole series not on I am's about me from the Bible but just on I am created in the image of God there is so much depth that we could go into here but what I want to do this morning is I literally just want to pull out a few things that if each of us could take these on board I I would beg you to write these down not because I think that I've come up with something good because I believe they are truth that God is speaking over every single one of us in this room regardless of whether or not you yet follow Jesus and I want to say follow Jesus because it's the best decision that any of us have ever made but I want to tell you this foundational truth about yourself and these foundational truths about yourself this morning the first is this because you are made in the image of God you are not ordinary. C.S. Lewis says this, there are no ordinary people you have never met a mere mortal. Isn't that amazing? There are no ordinary people you have never met a mere mortal. One philosopher I I just read quotes, I don't read philosophy or anything like that but he says the mass of men, the mass of people live lives of quiet desperation and I think that so, I, th- I have come to believe through my uh, time as a pastor that, that that is true, many, many of us live actually quietly desperate lives in other words, not, not that we like feel desperate all of the time but that all of us, however good our lives look, however happy we feel, however good a place that we're in, all of us are suffering with just like the hardships of Life at time, it could be relational problems, it could be health problems, it could be uh, money problems or, or, or anything like that. Life is difficult and it's so easy for us to think, oh do you know what, I'm just so ordinary, things are so difficult. But what I want to say this morning, what I believe scripture says to every single one of us is that you are not ordinary. You are made for something so much greater than ordinary, whatever that means, or perhaps we need, need to redefine what ordinary is. I remember when I was in college uh, and we were looking at some of this kind of stuff about being made in the image of God and, and a lady called Susan just made this point in the, in the uh, discussion that we were having and she said, do you, you, you know how we often say when we get something wrong, oh, I'm only human. Do, do any of you say that? It's like, I have to say that to Karen about 10 times a day. Sorry, love, I'm only human. Okay, But all of you have probably said that at some point in time. And then suddenly Susan stands up in this class and she says, do you know what? If we take seriously the fact that we are made in the image of God, and if we take seriously the fact that Jesus is the only fully human, I read this amazing quote this morning, the miracle is not that man put foot, set foot on the moon, but that God set foot on the earth. If we take seriously this truth that every single one of us is made in the image of God and that Jesus is fully human, then when we say, I'm only human, it should be a statement of our potential rather than our failure. To say, I'm only human, is to say, I'm becoming like Jesus because Jesus is the perfect picture of what humanity can and should be and so that's the first thing all I just want to say to you is you might have come here just thinking oh you know I'm not like these people you might have come here from a terrible week you might have come here yeah I I don't know what is going on in many of your lives but I want to say this you are not ordinary there is no such thing as a mere mortal the second thing that I just want to say as we think about what it means to be created in the image of God not just be cre- created but created in the image of God is this we are created I am created for community I'm created for community I don't know whether you notice, but there's some things in the Bible or there's lots of things in the Bible that are taught but never actually very explicitly stated and one of those is the Trinity um, and, and uh, so When I say the Trinity, what I mean is the Christian belief that God is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. But it never actually says that in the Bible. There is no no kind of theological unpacking of what it means to say that the Trinity uh, is, is true in the Bible. But there are so many little hints at it that we come to believe it to be true. And here is, I think, the first one in the Bible. Genesis 26. Then God said, let us make man in our image. Who was God talking to? In our likeness. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. We were chatting in the our worship time before the service this morning, our prayer time, and just saying, "Do you ever have those moments where you're trying to like get your head back to what was it like before creation? Do you, you know, was before creation was it a massive black space? Was it a little black space?" Was it, probably wasn't black because God is light and so it was lots of, but do you ever have those those kind of thoughts and eventually you get to the point, for me it's very quick, where my mind just kind of bursts and I can't think about it anymore, but however far you can get in that story of creation or pre-creation or what was there before, the one thing I believe we can be absolutely certain of is this, that there was community because God is Father, Son and Holy Spirit, I got sent this message by somebody from Southside this morning, it says this, this is Trinity Sunday remember that you are in the middle of the greatest hug triangle in all of space and time <laughs> isn't that amazing I think it was on radio 2 apparently this morning or something you are in the middle of the greatest hug triangle of all time because before anything there was God and, bef- and while there was just God there was Father, Son and Holy Spirit and they are like this, just mu- th- this mutually adoring self-giving, worshipping community and so when we are when we are created in the image of God, we too are created for community. That's why God could look at Adam and say it's no good for him to be alone and made a wife for him. Uh, that, that, that's why when we are alone, we, we feel a sense and we feel the need for something more. It doesn't mean that we don't have introverts. It doesn't mean we don't have extroverts. It doesn't mean that you're not allowed to spend time on your own. Jesus spent time on his own. But at the heart of what it means to be made In the image of God is that you, I, am made for community. And the question I want to ask is this. I was thinking this morning there's probably more questions than actual statements and that sort of thing. But the question I want to ask is this. What does radical kingdom community look like? What does it look like to, to radically embrace and embody and live out the community that God has called us to? Uh, Emily and I were in town earlier in the week and uh, there's a guy called Paul. He sits down uh, just down from Greg's by up at the Cafe Nero end of town. And I just chat to Paul and get him some food and stuff when I'm there. And, and this week, uh, Emily was with me. And so I got her to give the food to Paul. And we, and we prayed with Paul and we carried on walking. And Emily said to me, Is Paul coming to my house? And I said no. And then my two and a half year old daughter said to me, Why not? That question cut to my heart. Why not? What does radical kingdom community look like? Because remember, when we are made in the image of God, it is not just talking about Christians. It is not just talking about those who have been washed in the blood. It is not just talking about those who have been baptized. It is not just talking about those who have said the sinner's prayer or said yes to Jesus. It is saying of every single person, every single person that you will ever set eyes on that they are made in the image of God and therefore made for community. What does radical kingdom community look like and would we be willing to embrace it if we actually found out the third thing is this just really quickly going to race through some of this because i am made in the image of god i am made for creativity now again i just want to mention the girls very quickly and i i I need to promise them as they grow up that they're not just going to constantly be illustrations in talks but have you ever noticed like that kids are just naturally creative like they draw on walls and they draw on floors and they draw on chairs and and all, but but you know they're creative. They put clothes combinations together that very few of us would be brave enough to try. Alison Smith would probably be brave enough to try, but most of you would not be brave. And she isn't here this morning, so uh, you can report back on me. But but kids put together clothes combinations or they put together food combinations, and you're kind of going, oh no way, and then you go, oh actually that's quite good because kids are naturally creative, and the reason that they are naturally creative. It's because they are made in the image of the creative God. They are made in the image of the God who thought everything up, who when we look out at it and say, isn't that beautiful? God imagined it first. But then something happens. And I know it happens because I do this all the time. I often say to people, I might get someone like Vanessa along, and I'll say, you know, Vanessa, you're so creative and I'm so not creative. Or, or somebody like Vicky along. Vicky, you're so creative. Can you do this? Because you're creative and I'm not creative. But actually the truth is that Vanessa has just not allowed life or, or, or dare I even say it, the devil or just kind of the heaviness of life to knock that creativeness out. She has managed to hold on to this thing that is so essential to all of us as people who are made in the image of God, creativity. I don't know why I said creativity there, but... Um, and and, and and what I want to encourage us or challenge us in this morning is we need to get back to childlike creativity. In Carl Martin's most recent book on leadership, he talks about the fact that we need to embrace the fact that we were made to be creative, and he says literally start getting creative. And so a few weeks ago, I made a sheet out of a toilet roll and some cotton wool buds with Emily. I didn't have any Pritt sticks, so I got creative, and I got the sellotape, and I wrapped it around twice, and I stuck it on, and it's got, uh, what are those... pipe cleaner, legs, and, it, and it's even got a pipe cleaner, noddy head, and I made that. I am like the least creative pet. Thank you. I'm the least creative pet. Sorry, I, I'm doing it to myself, but f- f- just for sake of example, I'm the least creative person you're ever going to meet, but I've got a nodding head sheep in my kitchen. I, I, I've started to draw butterflies, and like when I say, you know, I'm not talking like, Good kind of scientific drawing of butterflies. I'm talking about two wings that look like a heart if you stuck them together, and and a cigar in the middle, and a little bit of coloring. But I'm trying to get creative. I'm so creative that Carl Martin retweeted my picture of a butterfly because I said I'm trying to get creative, and I want to encourage you guys. And some of you are probably looking at me and you're going, "Really, what is this all about?" But get creative because when you get creative. You are mirroring something about God. God who created looks at each of us and says, be a creator. Be somebody who creates stuff. Be somebody who, who loves. Make, like, I didn't buy a pink shirt last week because I thought it was a little bit t- kind of too much, but maybe I should have. And floral, I've got a floral pattern cap. I should have worn that this morning as well. Get creative. Get flamboyant because you are made in the image of a creative and flamboyant God. Next. Some of you are thinking, thank goodness for that. Next, I am made to work. I am made to work. This is so, so important. In, in uh, Genesis 1 and 28, I didn't actually read from it, but if you want to flick, oh, I did read from it. Uh, God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air, over every living creature. In, two, uh, in chapter 2 and verse 15, it says this, the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. Note, this is before sin came into the world. This is not after sin happened. This is not after the fruit got eaten. This is not after God says that it's going to be hard to work the, world, to, to work the earth and it's going to be like tough and hard work, which it is now because of sin. But note, even before sin God says work. And even while it was just Adam and Eve, and I'm going to assume, right, that while it was just Adam and Eve in this perfect relationship with God, they didn't have to tell each other about God because they just knew him. And how many people do you know who think that the only or sole purpose of their work is to tell people about God? That is a purpose. That might be part of why you work. But let me say, your work gives you worth because you are made in the image of God who created you to work and who works himself I don't meet many people who can't work and I don't necessarily mean paid work but it could be voluntary work or anything like that I don't meet many people who can't work let's say because of a health problem or a relationship problem, or whatever it happens to be, but, don't, but who don't long to get back to meaningful work. In John's Gospel, we read that God is always at work. He is a worker. Work is not only of value when I share my faith. Work is of inherent value because you are made, and I am made in the image of the God who works. The fifth thing, just checking time, I'll go quickly. And this is so, so, I keep saying that, don't I? This is so important. These are all so important. But the fifth thing about being made in the image of God is that it means that your sin does not define you. Because you are made in the image of God, sin does not define you in Genesis chapter 9 so if you don't know the Bible uh, in Genesis chapter 9 God has has, uh, sent the flood and Noah and his family have survived and and basically God has got really really angry at sin sin is serious I absolutely believe that please don't hear me as saying that sin is not serious but there is kind of like a stream of Christian thinking that would would teach that there is nothing uh, of any good about any person and and But I want to deny deny that teaching and say, well, actually, there is. Because even after the fall, even after sin, even after God has just wiped out all of these people because of sin, he says this to Noah, whoever sheds man's blood, whoever sheds man's blood, by man his blood shall be shed. For in the image of God he made man. So this is God after the fall, after sin, saying, look, these people, even though they sin, are still made in my image. The Bible teaches us that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We need to take sin more seriously. We need to take sin in our midst, in our own lives more seriously. I am not saying anything other than that. We sang that we sang earlier that his blood has covered my sins. I, and we believe that. We believe that it is only because of Jesus and because of his grace and his free gift of life to us that we can be declared righteous. And yet, even still... And even as they run onto bridges, and even as they uh, suicide bomb in Kabul and all of these places, even as this happened, what we need to be constantly reminding ourselves is our sin, their sin, does not define us. I think it doesn't matter who it was, but slave trader ship guy... John Newton, said, said, I am not what I ought to be, and yet I am not what I once was, but what I am, I am because of the grace of God. One of my favorite phrases, sin does not define us. And if we believe in a God who can transform us, we must believe in a God who can transform all of humanity. James in his, in his New Testament letter, perhaps the brother of Jesus says, with the tongue we bless our Lord and Father and with it we curse men who have been made in the likeness of God. James has seen Jesus nailed to a cross. James has come to know that the only way his sin can be taken away is through Jesus. And yet he affirms the fact that because every person is made in the image of God, their sin does not define them. Your sin does not define you. My sin does not define me. The sin of the world, however serious, and it is deadly serious, it costs Jesus his life, but however serious is not the defining factor. The empty tomb <laughs> And the empty cross is the defining factor. Amen? I am not ordinary. I am made for community. I am made for creativity. I am made to work. My sin does not define me. And then the final thing is this. I am made for worship. As I said a moment ago, or just a few moments ago, before... (laughs) the creation of the world. When there was just God, there was this perfect community. Father, Son and Holy Spirit sitting there or standing there or lying there or whatever they were doing and there was this perfect community. And as a community, I like to to call it, like the community of mutual adoration, it was the Father adoring the Son, the Son adoring the Father, the Spirit adoring the Son, the S- Spirit adoring the Father, the Father adoring the Spirit, I might have missed one app, but you, but you get the picture, there was just like this ongoing mutual loving in the Trinity, the Trinity never stopped loving each other, I love that phrase, you are in the, you are in the middle of the greatest hug triangle in all of time and space. Because the Trinity is just this loving, or, and, and, and I want to say worshipping, community. Jesus worshipped the Father in the power of the Spirit. In a very real sense, the Trinity worshipped each other. And so as people made in the image of God, as people who bear this divine likeness, however fallen we have become, however marred by sin we are, however desperately in need of a Saviour we are, and we all are, the truth is this, we are made for worship. As I was thinking about Jenny Rankin this morning, I was thinking that, you know, one of the things that Jenny taught me, and, and part of the privilege of my role is that you all teach me, and, that, and, and you know that I get to have these reflections on people as I move through life with them, but one of the things that Jenny taught me is about worship. I can remember being up in Jenny's house, and if you've never been there, there's like this postcard window looking out onto Aaron and, and it's just absolutely stunning. And I can remember being sat there and I was sat on the sofa because I'm not very creative, so I like chairs and meetings. But Jenny was sat in the middle of the floor and there was literally sheets of music all around her and she was talking me through how she chooses, what she's going to play. And I just thought, wow, what a worshipper. But Jenny didn't just worship sat in the lounge like that. She worshipped through words. She worshipped through poetry. She worshipped through her garden. Because she got the very real truth that Paul writes in Colossians 3 verse 17. Whatever you do in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Giving thanks to God the Father through him. God is the eternal lover. The eternal one who just begs up and praises himself in that sense that father praising the son son praising the father spirit praising them both them both praising the spirit and you are made in the image of the worshiping god and so you are therefore called to worship god not just here not just like this but everywhere as we seek to live all of our lives under the banner of christ What a topic, don't you think? Or is it just me? Like we could go on and on. We could delve and delve into this. I am created in the image of God. You are created in the image of God. Every person you see, touch, hear about, love, hate is made, created in the image of God. Let's pray. Father, we we thank you for your word. We thank you that it is living and active and sharper than a double-edged sword. And once again, God, I, I simply pray that anything that I have said that is wrong or is not from you or is not for this season in people's lives or in our lives as a church would just fall to the ground. But Lord, we also pray that Everything that you want to say to us, all of those things that you wanted to say and which I didn't say, that you would go on speaking to your people. We ask that you would help us to listen. We ask, Lord, that as we think about these I ams about ourselves, about who we are in you, or about who we are just as, as human beings. Lord, that as we think about these things, that it would change the way we look at ourselves, that it would change the way that we look at this world. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your sacrifice on the cross. We thank you that you took our place, that our sin was put on you. And we ask that you would help us to share that challenging but transformational truth with people. Through what we say, through what we do, through how we live. But we also ask that you would help us to live lives that recognize the God image in people. The God image in ourselves. And that we would call that out in people. That we would bless people. That we would put a hand around them and say, do you know what? You just did an amazing thing. It's because you are made in the image of God. And as we do that, God, we pray that you would draw people to yourself. That you would bring transformation. Because we all need it so much. Because this world needs it so much. Amen.